excited to hear all, see all of you here today. And I really got to thank Carrie and all of the worship group because I really can't think of a better way to prelude this message today than that worship set. The way that we just got to scream out to the Lord Jesus that we are willing for the whole world to scream out hallelujah. That we are willing to go to the poor and the lonely and the hurting who have nothing left. As if you can't tell already, there's a whole bunch of us wearing this shirt this morning that says live on mission. We exist for others. So since the beginning of the new year, here at Conduit, we've been doing this vision series, um, which is what you just saw that bumper video for. So we've been talking about our mission and our vision here at Conduit and the biblical reason for each of those, as well as our code. So our code here at Conduit is kind of like our values. It's the things that we live by, the code that we live by here in our community, and the things that after some time of attending here, you would notice about this place. They would stand out to you. They're the things about our culture that make us who we are. They're also the things that define, should we do this? Should we not do this? So when staff and our leadership team sit down to decide our programming for the upcoming year or for the weeks that are ahead, we use this as kind of like a refining filter. Does this line up with our code, our mission, our vision? Does this not line up with our code, our mission and vision? So our code here at Conduit both defines our culture as well as serves as a refining filter for the things that we do here in our community. So to recap where we've been the last few weeks, um, we shared our mission and vision the first two weeks of the year. Um, and then code number one that we shared, and you can get these shirts in the back if you're interested in and using one, and wearing one. Um, code number one was Jesus is everything. The gospel changes it all. Code number two that Pastor Cameron shared a couple weeks back was um, God wrote a book. The Bible is boss. And code number three that Pastor Corey talked about last week was um, we do life together. Gospel community. So this week, code number four that we'll be talking about is living on mission. We exist for others. Now, I don't know about you, but just saying those words makes me like already get all kinds of excited. Like I can't wait to talk today. The words living on mission, we exist for others, make me want to start shouting hallelujah already. This idea of Jesus-centered mission, the redeeming of all things and all people, it's good stuff. It's so good. This is going to be a good morning. So in light of that theme for today, the theme of code number four, living on mission, we have some exciting and important news to share with you here at Conduit. There's been a lot of these moments lately, so I just got to like preface, no one is getting fired and no one is getting hired. So uh, that's really good news, right? Um, <laughs> so we have this really great news. Um, <laughs> Those of you who've been a part of Conduit before that con know that Conduit is a church that really, really believes in this idea of mission. We believe in the idea of serving our neighbor and the idea that love shown in tangible ways can actually redeem all things. And so in the past, Conduit has been an exemplar in our community of living on mission and serving our city. Um, we have a missional program here at Conduit that's called I Am Loved. And I Am Loved in the past has um, given out backpacks stuffed with school supplies to local kids. We serve food out of our food truck. Um, we show up at the laundromat and pay for laundry and fold laundry and have conversation with people. Um, we have summer fun events. We partner with local not-for-profit agencies and government agencies to encourage their clients. Um, we've made sure that all of our neighbors here in the city of Jamestown have food on their tables during the holidays. These are some things that I Am Loved has done in the past and that we will continue to do moving forward in the future. We believe that these things are important, valuable, good, transforming work that Conduit will continue to move forward in transforming the city of Jamestown. But this year, in addition to 
not in place of, because that good, good work will continue. But in addition to, conduit is going to be, where's the drummer when you need one? Uh, I, need, I need a drum roll, come on, give me a drum roll. Conduit Ministries in 2018 is going to be expanding into the country of Honduras. Yeah, I need to hear some clapping for that. Like, this is a big moment. Cool. All right. So the spreading of the gospel, this mission of spreading the good news, it was never intended to be just regional. Right? I think we're all on the same page with that. Many of us are familiar here with the Great Commission, the famous Great Commission from Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 20. Could you bring that up on the screen, pretty please? Great. All right, it says in the word, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the spreading of the gospel is meant to be both regional, beginning first in our homes, our churches, and our cities, but also global, the making of disciples in all nations. And in 2018, Conduit is going to begin making disciples in the country of Honduras. So many of you that are here, you know my background. I am from Bemis Point, born and raised in this community, and I attended St. Timothy Lutheran Church in Bemis Point as a child. And that church really ingrained in me this idea of mission. They taught me well in that school of thought that we were created to serve others. And my church had an orphanage that they sponsored in the country of Honduras. So as soon as I became a teenager, at 13 years old, I began to go on their mission trips to that orphanage. Um, and I continued to go year after year. And one thing led to another. And by 17, I started spending my summers there, teaching ESL and volunteering at a local church. And then when I went on to college in the city of Chicago, I would spend all of my winter break and summer break in the country of Honduras, um, taking mission teams of college students there. And then the day I graduated, I moved to Honduras, um, and my husband and I, who's also from Honduras, not here today, unfortunately, um, we got married, and we co-founded our first ministry. Um, so our first not-for-profit organization was called Ministerio La Raza, La Raza Ministries. That first not-for-profit organization that we founded was in a slum neighborhood called Barrio Sepile of the capital city of Tegucigalpa. It was to benefit at-risk teenagers who were involved in, in gangs or drug trafficking rings. We led that organization for four years, um, and then we co-founded another not-for-profit organization in 2013 that was born out of a season of loss for us after our daughter Lily died due to the deep um, gaps in maternal infant health care in the country of Honduras. And in 2016, we moved back here to the United States, and shortly thereafter, I became part of staff here at Conduit. So that's a little bit of my background. Living on mission is part of the DNA here at Conduit. And so far, we've done that really, really well at the local level, I would say. And disclaimer here, we're not stopping that. That good work will continue. The city of Jamestown has redemption coming at it from every angle, and we are all hands in on that. But in 2018, we also want to live on mission at a global scale to spread the good, good news of redemption. And because of my husband and I's deep ties in the country of Honduras, we, both staff and the leadership team here at Conduit, through prayer and discernment, have decided that we are going to begin a global partnership in the country of Honduras. We are so over the moon excited about this. Now, there are three different components that we want you to know about this partnership. The first is the pioneer component. So this spring, a pioneer team will be sent from Conduit to Honduras. In Numbers 13, Moses chooses a leadership team of 12 people from the tribe of Israel, and he sends them into the land of Canaan before sending all of the body of Israel. He sends them kind of like to scout and to survey the land and to bring back news of what they've seen. 
we believe that this is replicable and that we should replicate it. And so here at Conduit, we will be sending a pioneer team this April from the 14th to the 18th. We will be um, surveying the land and potential ministry sites. We'll be meeting with local ministry leaders who are entrenched in good ministry there. Um, we'll get boots on the ground and be able to witness firsthand the needs of the people. And it will give us a chance as leadership to allow God to breathe new vision, life into vision for the body of conduit and making a footprint on the redemption of the nation of Honduras. That brings us to the second piece of this. So that was the first. This is the second. Once the Pioneer team returns from Honduras this spring, we will be announcing the details of a fall mission trip to Honduras that will be open to all of you. Um, where that team will be going, what that team will be doing, when that team will be departing, all of that will be determined while the Pioneer team is on the ground this spring. So stay tuned for more details on that and start making space in your calendar this fall if you would like to participate in that trip. Finally, the third component of this, and perhaps the most important piece, Conduit is not into one-touch, one-rub, non-sustainable mission. It's just not our jam. We don't want to do it here locally. We definitely don't want to do it abroad. It's not what we desire to do in Honduras. So this pioneer trip and the first team trip, they will not be the only trips to Honduras. We will be sending teams annually to encourage and strengthen ministry in Honduras that will be ongoing. Does that make sense? You guys there? Okay, good. All right, cool. Um, Conduit's partnership in the nation of Honduras is not just going to be sending mission teams because mission teams that come and go, they're just not effective in building disciples. Local leaders build local disciples best. So our approach as a sending agency here at Conduit Ministries, the question that the Pioneer team is going to be taking this April is the question of how can we, as a sending agency, as Conduit Ministries, best strengthen the disciple-making movement in Honduras so that the whole of the country experiences redemption, liberation from poverty and injustice, uh, solidarity with one another, and spiritual revival that starts from the top down. That is the framing question that we'll be taking. It is good, good stuff. We are really excited about this partnership here at Conduit, and we hope that you'll be equally as excited and participate in this along with us. For now, I want to turn gears, though. I want to move back to this living on mission stuff. Um, slow your hearts with me this morning. Slow your minds. Any thoughts that you have racing, bring them captive to the obedience of Christ. Steady with me on the word this morning. And this awesome and amazing and terrifying yet exhilarating call that we've been given to live on mission. Jesus, we are here in your presence. We bring ourselves before you. We just want to hear from you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts carry our burdens in this moment so that we can hear fully from you and be changed by your word. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, go ahead and open it to the book of Matthew, or you can pull it up on your smartphone if you have a Bible app. If you don't have a Bible with you or have it on your smartphone, there are Bibles at the end of each pew that you can use. We are going to be looking to the book of Matthew in the New Testament chapter 14. Book of Matthew in the New Testament, chapter 14, verses 22 through, through 33. Book of Matthew in the New Testament, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Give you a few minutes to get there. Could you bring that up on the screen, please? Okay. So the word says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, 
he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So I'm guessing that most of you that are gathered here in this room today have heard this story about Jesus walking on the water before. It's not new news. Just like the Great Commission that I shared a little bit earlier, that all Christians have been called to go and live on mission, it's not new news either. These are narratives um, that we know. We've heard them from our churches. We've heard them um, from the media. We've heard them in our schools. We've heard them from our families. We've read them in books. And although not everyone agrees on the historical accuracy of them, although here at Conduit we do, um, although not everyone agrees on them, they've become kind of like folklores in our Western history. Would you agree with that? I would argue that most people who've never walked inside a church building have heard these stories before. And particularly this passage about Jesus walking on the water, it's even become like this illusion, like someone will say to you, um, even if they have no faith at all, they would say, like, oh, like you're going to walk on the water? Like, it's just kind of become this thing we say in modern culture. So this is a famous narrative. And so much of the time, when we talk about this story, when it's told, we focus on Peter's lack of faith. So Jesus was out there in the water, in the storm, summoning Peter to come. And Peter believed initially, and he walked firmly on the water. But then he began to doubt, and he began to sink. We're told that our faith, our trust in Jesus, is what prevents us from drowning in the circumstances of our own lives. And that's good, and that's true, and it should be affirmed. But I want to argue this morning that there's more to this story than just that. I want to argue that there's an invitation in this passage to each one of us as followers of Jesus that pertains to living on mission. So last summer, on a date night with my husband, I convinced him to go see the Wonder Woman movie. Now, I'm not really a superhero fan, like Avengers or... Who's the other group that's like the Avengers, but like they're, what? Uh, the Justice League. See, I don't even know their names. Nah, superheroes just like aren't my cup of tea. Um, but my husband really wasn't excited either about going to see the movie Wonder Woman. But somehow I convinced him, and off we went. Um, and it was so, so good. And hear my heart on this. Like, the idea of this woman who's wearing a cape and bearing a sword and a shield and saving the world, like, that gets my feminist blood pumping in me in every kind of right way. But that isn't the primary reason why I love that movie. <laughs> I liked it because I felt like the narrative of the story of Wonder Woman is really similar to this narrative that we just read about Peter getting out of the boat. That might sound like a little bit of a stretch to you, so I'm out to prove it today, okay? All right, let's go ahead and pull up that first clip. To take you to the war, this is it. So where are the Germans? A couple of hundred yards across the fields. Please. 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 
good to see you. My chief's back! Hey. He's back! All right, let's move! Dinah, we have to go. We need to help these people. We have to stay on mission. <laughs> the next safe crossing is at least a day away. What are we waiting for? We cannot leave without helping them. These people are dying. Nothing to eat, and in the village, enslaved, I, she said. I understand that. Women, we, we need children. To make our next position by How can you say that? What is the matter? This is no man's land, Diana. It means no man can cross it, all right? This battalion has been here for nearly a year, and they, they barely gained an inch. All right, because on the other side, there are a bunch of Germans pointing machine guns at every square inch of this place. This is not something you can cross. It's not possible. So what? So we do nothing? No, we do, we are doing something. We are. We just... We can't save everyone in this war. This is not what we came here to do. It's what I'm going to do. when Peter got out of that boat. The disciples are scared. The storm is closing in all around them. There is no way out. But Jesus is there. And right in the midst of what they deem impossible, he calls Peter to get out of that boat, to walk right into the storm, onto that water that metaphysically, with his very first step, he should have drowned. And Peter, in faith that submits and obeys, gets out of the boat, and he finds the water firm. This is no man's land, Diana, Steve says to Wonder Woman Diana. It means no man can cross it. This battalion has been here for nearly a year, and they've barely gained an inch. This is not something you can cross. This is impossible. So what, so we do nothing? No. We are. We are doing something. We just can't save everyone in this world. It's not what we came here to do. No. But it's what I am going to do. Ladies and gentlemen that are gathered here in this, in this room this morning, living on mission is getting out of the boat. It is getting out of that trench. It is walking head on into the storm. If you take nothing else away this morning, if you don't take Wonder Woman with you, then take away this. Living on mission is getting out of the boat walking straight into the storm and getting out of your spot of safety and personal preference. So, <laughs> hi Jack. <laughs> he agrees with me. Um, kindred spirits. I mentioned earlier that my husband and I founded an organization to benefit at-risk teenagers in a slum neighborhood in the capital city of Honduras. That neighborhood is called Sipile. So, Sipile at the time was controlled by two opposing parties. An international drug trafficking ring with roots in Colombia, and a gang called MS-13 with roots in El Salvador. The neighborhood that we were located in was one of the hottest neighborhoods in all of Central America. And by hot, I don't mean temperature. I mean hot by lead, by gun warfare that terrorized the entire community. The neighborhood had been abandoned by police, by schools, 
by churches, by all government and not-for-profit agencies. It was isolated and left alone. And so a white girl with a vision as big as she could dream and a local Honduran with a commitment that the gospel really is for all people, even those in tough-to-reach places, and some technical training in gang ministry in the city of Chicago, decided that would be a really great place for ministry. <laughs> and so it began. My husband and I targeted our ministry called Ministerio La Raza, slang in Spanish for my people, toward the teens of the community who were at a pivotal point of deciding what their futures would be, of who they would become. And out of a tiny little place that we rented filled with mold and mildew and rats and cockroaches, we began to manifest that their futures could indeed look hopeful in spite of the violence. We taught ESL, English as a Second Language, computer classes, an automotive course, cosmetology training, provided academic tutoring for our kids who were attending school in a different neighborhood. We had hip-hop worship services. Again, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> totally aware of who I am. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, so we had these hip-hop worship services. We had small groups across the community. Um, and we even, we took our kids on field trips and retreats, and we even took the initiative um, to transform this vacant lot in the community that used to be a place where bodies would be dumped after being murdered. Um, we took that place, and with the help of the gang members from the community who showed up with their machetes, we chopped down all of the grass in that vacant lot and turned it into a safe place for recreation and started a community soccer league there. We assisted with funerals. We were at the births of our teen moms. We housed our kids who were being sexually abused until their abusers were no longer present. We pleaded for the lives of our teens before the members of the drug trafficking ring. We did everything we could for our teens to experience the holistic liberation of Jesus Christ the soul-liberating personal transformation that only he can bring, the socioeconomic liberation from the cycle of poverty that held its grip tightly on them, and the freedom to choose a future free of violence, futures of hope and long life. We could have stayed in the trenches. That's what every other church, school, policeman and policewoman, and not-for-profit not agency had chosen. They stood by the motto that not everyone can be saved. They heeded safety, and they stayed out of the storm. But we chose to go. We chose to get out of the trench, to get out of our safe spots, because in the midst of that storm of violence, Jesus was there, and he was calling us. At the beginning of Wonder Woman, Diana's living on this island with the rest of the Amazons. Now, the Amazons are people who've been uniquely prepared and chosen, gifted by the gods for battle. But there are people who have chosen to retreat from the world, so they're isolated living on this island. Diana's mother is the queen of the Amazons, and she has forbidden Diana from engaging with the outside world. But Diana insists. She insists that their mission is off this island. And so moments before her departure from the island, a place where she will never be able to return to, she says to her mother, I cannot stand by while millions of lives are lost. If no one else will save this world from the god of war, then I must. Her mother says to her, if you choose to leave, you know that you can never return. Diana replies, but who will I be if I stay? In the early 1990s, gang violence erupted in Boyle Heights. Now, Boyle Heights is a part of East Los Angeles. Eight different gangs were in conflict there, surrounding the parish of Dolores Mission Catholic Church. Killings and injuries happened daily. So a group of women who met every night for prayer, they met... They sat down together and they read the story of Jesus walking on the water from Matthew chapter 14 that we just read today. 
when one of the mothers, electrified by the text, began to identify the parallels between the Jesus story and her own. The gang warfare in Boyle Heights was the storm on the Sea of Galilee. The people hiding behind locked doors were the disciples huddled in the storm on that boat. The crackle of gunfire was the lightning. In both cases, death was imminent. Then Jesus appeared, and they hoped for a magical rescue. Instead, he said, get out of the boat. Walk on the water. Enter the violence, and we will calm the storm together. So that same night, 70 women began a peregrinación, a procession from one barrio to another. They brought food, guitars, and love. And as they ate chips and salsa and drank coke with gang members, they began to sing the old songs of Jalisco, Chiapas, and Michoacán, Mexico. The gang members were disoriented by this. The war zones were silent that night. So each night new, the mothers decided to walk again. By nonviolently intruding and intervening, they broke the rules of war. The old script of retaliation and escalating violence was challenged and changed. So it's no accident that the women christian their nighttime journeys love walks. As the relationships between the women and the gang members grew, the kids began to tell their stories. Anguish over the lack of jobs, anger at police brutality, rage over the hopelessness of poverty. Together they developed a tortilla factory, a bakery, a childcare center, a job training program, a class on conflict resolution techniques, a school for further learning, a neighborhood group to monitor and report police misbehavior, and more. And it began with the challenges, get out of the boat and walk on the water. You see, active faith, it steps out of the pitching boat and onto the pounding waves and does the supernatural. It walks on the water and it finds it firm. It summons its courage and reaches out to the enemy as a person. It thinks of the enemy's needs and fears. It acts in commitment alloyed with compassion. It chooses the surprising. Our living on mission here at Conduit, our existing for others, it means that we get out of the boat of our safety and our comfort zone and our personal preferences, and we walk on the water so that we can reach those who can't hear the gospel message because the circumstances of their lives are drowning it out. Our witness needs to be loud enough. The way that we live every day needs to be loud enough that they can hear us. One of my professors in college said, I went to school for ministry, he said, a soft Jesus in a wishy-washy gospel will never make it on the sidewalks of the city. The good news of the gospel has to be more than just vague platitudes about God loves you, so do I. It needs to be radical engagement with the stranger, resembling more the attitude of God loves you, and I'm trying. The good news needs meat on its bone. Our witness needs to communicate the very same thing that the Father did when he sent his own son to die for us on the cross, that we were worth it, that they are worth it. Here at Conduit, people are not projects. People matter. They all matter, and they're all worth going for. And the night that he was born, Jesus set his feet down into everything that was not ideal. The nativity wasn't glamorous. It was bare bones wrong. Was there any more unideal circumstance that Jesus could have been born into? Born to a poor, single woman, a teenage mom, in a barn, and a nobody great comes from their town? to a government that was in the midst of mass genocide of all baby boys just to make sure that he was killed. It was all wrong. And you see, that wasn't accidental. 
It was a foreshadow of what New Testament living would look like, of what the rest of Jesus' ministry would look like, and of what ministry over the next 2,000 years would look like for all of the disciples up through our age, how it looks for us now. Jesus lived in the unideal, and he still lives there. Out on that water, in the midst of the storm, he's inviting us to join him. It won't be glamorous. It won't make sense. But as long as we keep our eyes on him, we will be able to do the impossible. So the climax of the Wonder Woman movie, back, back to my favorite example, um, the climax of the Wonder Woman movie comes as Diana has her final standoff against the god of war, Ares. So she's seen the depravity of humankind, the depth of our sinful nature, that we're a people that when left to our own devices, we self-destruct. And so Ares incites her to abandon her mission, that humans in all of their mess, they're just not really worth it. They're not worth saving. They're not worth rescuing. Would you go ahead and play that last video clip for me, please? She is the perfect example of these humans. And unworthy of your sympathy in every way. Destroy her, Diana. You know that she deserves it, they all do! Do it! No, Let no. me do it. It has to be me. It has to be me. I could save today. You could save the world. I wish we had more time. What? What are you saying? I love you. wrong about them. They're everything you say, but so much more. deserve. It's about what you believe. And I believe in love. Then I will destroy you! Bye, brother. Okay, so some parts of that are totally cheesy. Like, I own it. Um, but there it is. Our enemy, the prince of this world, tries to get us to stay in our boats all the time by whispering the lie. 
He tries to get us to discourage, he tries to discourage us from our missions by whispering the lie, they do not deserve your protection. They are not worth it. And I love her answer here. She says, it is not about deserve. It's about what I believe. And I believe in love. Yes, yes, yes. Here at Conduit, we believe in love incarnate. You see, people always disappoint. I disappoint. Pastor Cameron disappoints. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, we all disappoint. You will serve people in your living on mission that your efforts will bear absolutely no tangible fruit in. You need to serve them anyways. You will serve people in your living on mission who frustrate you. And they make you want to bang your head against a wall. But you invest anyways, month after month, day after day. And finally, years later, you begin to see a little bit of fruit. Serve them anyways. They're worth it. You see, we don't get to do the qualifying. We don't get to hold the measuring stick of who's worth it and who's not. We do the obeying. And Jesus said, go at all costs. On January 15th, 2012, a month before I was about to give birth to our first daughter, Lucy, I was still serving at Ministerio La Raza at that point in Honduras, um, the ministry that I mentioned before. And at that point in time, the Peace Corps, which is a volunteer organization located in almost every country of the world, especially developing countries, um, the Peace Corps had just decided to withdraw all of their volunteers and all of their operations out of the country of Honduras in an unprecedented move because of escalating gang violence. And so many missionaries had pulled out their endeavors and left as well. I wrote to our daughter Lucy in this letter, in this journal I kept for her, one more month until your due date. Your daddy and I are so anxious to meet you and hold you. About a month ago now, the Peace Corps withdrew their volunteers and operations out of this country. They did it because of the violence. The violence here just keeps getting worse and worse. Honduras now has the number one homicide rate per capita in the world. Such devastating and sad news. And yet, we're staying. Lucy, I want you to understand why we're staying so that if, God forbid, anything were to happen to me or your daddy one day, you'll understand why we chose to remain here. We believe with all of our hearts that God has called us here. He has called us to minister peace, love, and his truth here. He has called us to spiritually mother and father the many young teenage victims of violence with the hope of leading them to his truth and to the abundant lives that he has planned for them. So we're staying. We're staying because we believe in what we're doing. We're staying because we cannot turn our backs on those God has called us to love. And we're staying because we believe that his work is not done for us here yet. We have no delusions about who we are. We know we're not superheroes, and we know that we're not invincible. We're humans, frail, flawed, and finite. Yet we believe that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness and that he can do great things through our humble submission. Lucy, the mommy in me wants to run away from here. The mommy in me is scared to stay here, scared of what the possible outcomes could be, scared for you. All I want is to spend my life peacefully with you, cradling you, teaching you, loving you. Two months ago, I wrote to you that you are my number one priority now, above and beyond the community of Sapile, and you are. It is precisely for that reason that we must stay. Your daddy and I must set an example for you. We must demonstrate faith to you, faith that submits, faith that loves, and faith that stays, even when there is a cost. Lucy, I believe that your daddy and I's greatest purpose in life is to mold and shape you into all that God has inspired you to be. And I believe that he has created you to be a strong, courageous woman of faith who inspires all around you to love without limits and to live passionately and boldly for Christ. So this is the example that we desire to give you. And this, above all, is why we're staying. We love you, Luce. When you get out of the boat, you inspire others to do the same. And you carve out a legacy for your children. 
that's worth following. Last week, Pastor Corey talked here about gospel community and how here at Conduit we believe in doing life together. And so this is where I want to depart from the Wonder Woman example. Because you see, we're supposed to do this mission together. There's no room for superheroes or one-hit wonders in the body of Christ or in our cities. We're supposed to do this mission together. See, one-hit wonders and superheroes, that's not the map that the New Testament lays out for us. The New Testament instructs us that we do this. This living on mission, this redeeming of the world, this breathing on dry bones, this rescuing and ransoming, this, this boots on the ground, this thing, this great, amazing, exhilarating, and terrifying thing. We do this thing together. At Conduit, we want to live on mission with you. What trench are you hiding in this morning? What boat do you need to get out of? Living on mission has no one singular prescription. It looks different for each one of us. Many times it's not on a foreign mission field. Sometimes it's choosing to be present at the dinner table when it would be easier to disengage. Sometimes it's loving the addict or alcoholic in our lives even when it hurts and they disappoint over and over again. Or it's folding laundry at your city's laundromat in a quiet act of love. Or it's loving on babies in the nursery on Sunday morning so that mamas can hear the word and be refreshed. Or it is listening to that idea that the Holy Spirit keeps putting at the back of your head that you can't seem to get out of your mind. What is holding you back from these things this morning? You've probably heard this before. It's one of those really over-circulated social media things. But here's the test to determine whether your mission on earth is finished. If you're alive, it isn't. My grandma's here this morning. Hi, Grandma. <laughs> and so my grandma is the greatest person I know. I aspire to be like her in every single way. She is 84 years young, and every new day that she wakes up, she asks the Lord, who can I help today? Her generosity and humility and service of others is amazing. She gets that concept um, that as long as she wakes up to a new day, she still has a mission. Listen to the mustn'ts, child. Listen to the don'ts. Listen to the shouldn'ts, the impossibles, the won'ts. Listen to the never-haves. Then listen close to me. Anything can happen, child. Anything can be. Shel Silverstein wrote that. Here at Conduit, we offer ways that we can live on mission with you together in our city. There are opportunities to serve every single Sunday inside of this building. And outside of this building, we have some really amazing things going on. Come on a Saturday to Conduit North. Conduit North isn't like a I choose one tiny, I choose North kind of thing. It's a and, it's not an or. Come, show up, make a meal to serve to the kids that gather there. Or make sure that you, they have a take-home bag of food for that evening so that they won't go hungry the next day. You can color and you can help them put together puzzles. And you can ask the moms that attend honest questions about how their week is going. How's your baby? I care about you. What's new in your life? You can volunteer at one of our summer fun events where we give our community the gift of clean and safe recreation. You can serve food out of our food truck. You can wash and fold laundry at Papa Joe's laundromat. You can volunteer during I Am Loved Week or I Am, Thanks I Am Love Thanksgiving by giving a few hours out of your week to meet a need of someone in our city. You can become an intern. 
This summer we will be recruiting six interns for I Am Love that will be working with me on piercing our community with the love of Christ. You can show up at this altar after service and ask God, how, where, when, what boat do I need to get out of? What is holding me back? What is the mission that you are calling me to? Living on mission requires that we put ourselves out there in tangible and sometimes crazy inappropriate ways. Let God lead you to valleys full of dry bones, feeding, releasing, bandaging, healing, educating, building, exhorting, praying for people you don't know, proclaiming Jesus in the places where Jesus isn't normally proclaimed. Let the Spirit lead you to things that make absolutely no sense to the world around you. Oh, it might get awkward. I'm counting on it. But I want to urge you that if you get your insecurities out of your conduit, the Holy Spirit is just waiting to flow through you. Greater things are outside of that boat, whatever it is for you. Get out of that boat. Get out of that trench. Summon the courage to stand up and get on the front lines, you will find the water firm because Jesus is there and he's waiting to meet you with outstretched arms. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord Jesus, there's a whole lot of things that just don't make sense in our lives that we can't piece together. There's storms all around us and it just feels so much of the time like it's easier to choose the safe place. Like it's easier to just do our own thing and truck through each day. But whatever that hard thing is, Lord, may we recognize that you're there. And you're calling us. And your example through us, it transforms things even though we're frail and flawed and finite. Even in the midst of our weaknesses, you're made strong. Give us the strength and courage to trust that we can indeed step out of our boats onto the water and that we will find it firm. I want to end our time together this morning with a Franciscan benediction. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you will reach out your hand to comfort them and change their pain into joy. And may God bless you with the foolishness to think that you can make a difference so that you will do the things which others tell you cannot be done. <laughs>